your Bible and go with me to the book of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 20. The book of Jeremiah, chapter number 20. Now, if you remember, um, two weeks ago, I attempted to start a series. And, uh, you know, why? I don't know. It's just what you do in church these days, right? You preach series. Um, And so we started talking about the kingdom of God. And that is a, a crucial topic that I want us to uh, revisit. But last week, we completely veered off the path, and we preached what I felt like God was saying to us right now. And I believe that God spoke to us last week. Does anybody at Hope Unlimited agree with me? Come on, Hope Unlimited. Does anybody agree? I believe God spoke to us last week. And uh, I, this has always been a ch- the challenge um, as a as a as a pastor as a as a preacher as a leader, you have really in church you have two groups of people. You have the people that love the word, and they just want you to teach the word. Don't yell, teach. Don't shout, teach. Feed me the word. Feed me the word. Feed me the word. Give me the word. The word. The word. The word. And I'm all about that. I grew up in the word of faith movement. I'm all about to sit down, open the Bible, break open the bread of life. Show me something I've never seen. Let me feast on this Bible, and then let me take it home and let it transform my life. All right. You have the you have the word people, and then you have the spirit people. They're like, I don't need no preaching. Call me down to the altar, lay hands on me, knock me out, pick me up, knock me out, pick me up, knock me out, blow me right here, blow right here, knock me out and pick me up, knock me out and throw the oil and sling the holy water and whatever else you got, bring it. Okay? Is everybody okay this morning? Everybody okay? Loosen up, loosen up. You're going to be all right. And so you have this dichotomy whenever you're you're leading people. How How do you appease both? Because the spirit people, and I'm being nice by calling them spirit people, because um, I grew up in, in the kind of church, I grew up in an old school church where everybody was spirit person, and uh, y'all know what a shofar is? Y'all ever had those people interrupt church with a shofar and a flag and a wave and a tongue and a prophecy and a shout and a hallelujah and a Jericho march? Ain't nobody else following them in the Jericho march, but for whatever they feel God telling you, you know what I'm talking about? You've got those people, okay? And I am that. That is part of who I am. That's part of my DNA. Then you've got those word people. The spirit people, they need the word. They need the word. Because an altar call does not fix everything. I'm going to say it again till I get till I get get to where I'm going. An altar call does not fix everything. As much as we would like to come down and have a preacher lay hands on us and knock us out and us get up and be free from anger, bitterness, offense, temper, all envy, jealousy, it doesn't work that way. A lot of times we want God to deliver us out of stuff that God wants us to grow out of. Hallelujah. A lot of times we want God to deliver us out of what he's called us to grow out of. God is not going to be an enabling parent to us. He's not going to do everything for us at an altar when he's given us a Bible and a prayer closet and we could do for ourselves what we've been asking him to do at an altar, okay? But on the contrary, the word people also need to be touched by the Holy Ghost. They need the fire of God. Every once in a while, you got to close the Bible and go get before God and let the Holy Ghost do his work. So I want to raise a church. I want to instill in our culture a church that honors both the word and the spirit it the same. Okay? Yeah. Come on. I'm 
drag you this morning. I dra- I've been up longer than you have, I promise. I drag you this morning, all right? We're going to honor the word and the spirit the same. And so I want a church, I want a church that when God moves, when the Holy Ghost moves, we can jump in. And then I want a church that when God doesn't move in that direction and it's time to break open the Bible and teach, we can jump in. Can I get a witness from somebody? We want to honor the word and the spirit the same. Now, I wrestled with this all night long. I couldn't sleep. I wrestled with this all night long. I thought, you know what? I really need to pick up this series because that's just what you do. All right, when you start a series, you should finish it, okay? And I've already told you I'm not one of those preachers. I don't have the next two years planned out, okay? I'm still praying about what to preach next week, okay? But I would rather it be something fresh and alive than me have a calendar populated of all of the stuff that I had to force feed you. Let me tell you what I know about preaching. If it doesn't go through you first, you won't have the conviction that you need to preach it the way you need to preach it. All right. I'm not interested in throwing a bunch of Bible knowledge at people. I want to teach people and preach to people what we believe God is saying to us as a church right now in this city. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that is constantly proceeding out of God's mouth. Not we live by what proceeded out of his mouth. We live by what is right now proceeding out of his mouth. Because yesterday's bread will not get you through tomorrow yesterday's bread today's bread won't get you through tomorrow and tomorrow's bread won't get you through Friday you got to have a living breathing moving up-to-date relationship with God where you can know I know what God is saying right now to us as a church amen I'll amen myself if I have to amen preach white boy And so I I wrestled with this. I thought, you know, I I need to go back and I need to finish this series on the kingdom. I mean, we barely got into it. And we're going to do that. We're going to do that. I promise. Just not today. Okay? I want to pick up off of the thread of what I preached last week because I believe it's where we're at. I believe it's what God's saying to us. Can I do that? Good. Now, Jeremiah chapter number 20. I want to read... Just a couple of verses to you. Jeremiah chapter number 20, verse number 7, records words along these lines. O Lord, you've deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than me, and you've prevailed. Ain't that a revelation? You're stronger than I am, God. How many of you know he's never lost a battle? And a lot of times we preach that as though when God's fighting for us. But Jeremiah's not talking about when God's fighting for me. Jeremiah's talking about when God's fighting me. (laughs) What? (laughs) You're stronger than me and you've prevailed. I'm in derision daily. Everybody's mocking me. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me in a derision daily. Listen to what the prophet is saying. Before I get to verse 9, look at verse 7 again. Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. You're stronger than I am. You prevailed. I'm in derision daily. Everybody's mocking me. For since I spake, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach to me in a derision daily. Watch verse 9. Then I said... I will not make mention of him, nor will I speak any more in his name. But his word, 
was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones and I was weary with forbearing. I could not stay. Another translation says I could not hold it in. I said I'm not going to speak anymore in his name. I'm done. But his word was in my heart. Come on, somebody. As a burning fire, a fire that was shut up in my bones, and I could not hold it in. Hallelujah. I want to preach on the subject this morning. The fire won't go out. The fire won't go out. Now, when me and my wife, Lindsay, wave at everybody. There she is. When me and my wife, Lindsay, got ready to plant this church, we were living in Alabama at the time, don't hold that against me. Let's not even get into the football thing. Let's not do that, okay? Me and my wife, we got ready to plant, and uh, I had always, I had, had this dream since I was a kid, but I'd always heard the horror stories of going to plant a church. You know, your wife's got to, you know, sell kidneys on the black market to make ends meet, and you got to work at a factory and still preach the gospel. And I was like, I'm not trying to do all that, all right? And so when we got ready to plant a church, I, uh, I, we went to a church um, planting leadership training seminar, all right, for several days, and we got the opportunity to sit with the most, uh, uh, just the most brilliant genius minds on the topic of church planting that exists today. It was an absolute honor. We had the opportunity to sit under the, the tutelage, the mentorship of some of these phenomenal men and women of God that had planted churches all over the world. And it was, it was absolutely fascinating, absolutely fascinating. We were in there, and most of the people in there, they were probably 40 years old or younger. We were, we were literally getting to be a part of what is the next wave of, of church planting and pastors coming up in, in the earth today. It was amazing. It was a fascinating experience. And there's so much you learn. Hang in here with me. I'm going somewhere. There's so much that we learned in those settings. They would teach us things like how to build your launch team. And they would teach us things like how to raise funds and how to pick out a building. We're still praying about that one. How to pick out the right building and how to have your kids ministry do this and how to have your first impressions do that. And, and it was so fascinating and interesting. And they, they have it down to such a science that they can tell you how many parking spots per chairs in the room that you need to accommodate everybody. Absolutely amazing. But when I left the training and when I got the download of all of this information and all of this stuff that they were telling us to do, you got to do this and you got to do that. You got to do this and you got to do that. After I left that, I pushed myself back from the table of information that I had been eating on. And I remember thinking deep in my own heart, you know, I am thankful that you taught me how to raise money. And I'm thankful that you taught me how to build my team and I'm thankful that you taught me how to do this and how to do that and what to look for here and what to look for that but there was this gnawing question down on the inside of me and it was this yeah I understand all of that but but what about the fire of God have we forgot about that part? I thought that at least there might be one session that said, yeah, even though you might have all the lights and all the camera and all the smoke and all the mirrors, you still got to have the touch of God on your life if people's lives are going to get changed. What about the fire of God? Is anybody with me this morning? If your music is the most well-produced, if it sounds professional and slick and polished, that's wonderful, but what about? The fire of God. I thought at least somebody would say it, if nothing else, as a rabbit trail, part of a session. That said, not anybody can just go do this. You've got to have the touch of God on your life. 
Can I get a witness from somebody? What about the fire of God? They were talking to us about being excellent and all of this stuff, but what about the fire? Talking to us about being polished, but what about, what about the fire of God? You know, down in Texas A&M, it is a, uh, it's a military college. And they had a, the, years ago, they had a statue. And it was a bronze statue. And every day, they would go out to this statue and they would polish the statue because they had to keep it clean. Had to keep it polished. Had to keep it, here's your big church term, excellent. Okay? And I believe in being excellent. I'm anal retentive that way, all right? There's stuff right I can make you a list of 42 things in this room right now that drive me crazy. You want me to drive my car off a cliff. Makes me want to do that, okay? I can, but they polished it every day. Polished it every day. Polished it every day because it had to be excellent. It had to be polished. It had to be excellent. It had to be polished. It had to be excellent every single day. And it got to a place over years of time that the, that the statue completely lost all of its features, and all of its distinction because it was so polished that it lost what made it special. And I'm afraid what's happening in the church, if we're not careful, we will become so polished that we will lose what makes us distinct. And it's not that, it's not our clothes are as hip as everybody else. And it's not that our preachers are as funny as everybody else. It's that we have a fire burning on an altar that if you need a touch from God, this is the place you need to come. What about the fire of God? What about the fire? Brandon, can you turn me down just a little bit? I think I'm killing people. Is it loud? Is it loud? No? Then leave it like it is. What about the fire of God? We've turned excellence into an idol. We're so excellent. We have no distinction. We have, we're so polished that we have no power. We have no distinction. Hmm? I, I should. Yeah. I see, I, see, I see it all the time in churches today. Right? They just copy each other. They even got the same mission statement. Right? I ain't going to tell you what it is because some of y'all might. I ain't going to tell you what the big one is that everybody copies, but trust me. Okay? Because. Because why go get in a prayer closet and get along with God and find out what God wants you to build when you can pay $275 and go to a conference and build what seems to be working? What about the fire of God? You know, when Jesus showed up on the scene, your Bible call, the, the Bible says when Jesus showed up on the scene, John the Baptist was standing in the waters of Jordan. And is everybody okay this morning? Am I offending you? I'm surprised y'all came back after last week. Last week was a verifiable beatdown, okay? I'm really glad y'all came back. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are amazing. <clears throat> when Jesus was standing in the waters of Jordan, when he was standing in the waters of Jordan, the Bible says that as he walks down, John the Baptist says two things about him. He says two things. He says, number one, behold. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then he said this, I'm not worthy to unlatch at his shoes. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost, and he will baptize you with fire. There is not a church in America that does not preach he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Everybody's talking about Jesus being the Lamb, and we need to proclaim Jesus being the Lamb. But what about the other part of Jesus? What about the baptizer in the... What about the baptizer in the Holy Ghost? What about the one that'll touch you so deep something gets on the inside of you and you can't live the way you used to live and you can't talk the way you used to talk and you can't act the way you used to act? 
We want him to be the lamb, but we don't want him to be the baptizer because when he becomes the baptizer, the Holy Ghost will get down on the inside of you. And I don't understand people these days. Listen, I don't understand people because when I hear people talk about what God said to them, okay, this is what people tell me. God told me, he said, he said, this is what people say. God told me that I'm his, I'm his child. I'm his beloved. And we are, we are, we are, we are. I will preach you a series on grace right now that will get you throwing a chair at somebody. You'll get so excited, okay? We are his child. But what we want God to do is we want God to treat us like the Song of Solomon, right? All the time. You're my love, my dove, my fair one. You are the greater that you're the ten thousand. You're greater than the ten thousands. You are the rose of Sharon, the lily in the valley, the bride in the morning star. You are amazing. Why? Because you breathe air. You are amazing. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. I, I really don't. I, I believe people need to be encouraged. I be, believe people need to know the love of God and the grace of God. I grew up in legalism. I grew up in it. And I, I believe people need to know the love and the grace of God. But I also know when the Holy Ghost gets on the inside of you, he's not always whispering sweet nothings in my ear. Sometimes he's saying, you better stop talking to people that way. Sometimes he's, you better get your temper under control and get a grip on yourself. Am I talking to anybody besides myself? You can look straight ahead like I ain't talking to you. But let me tell you something. When he baptizes you in fire, something gets a hold of you and says, this is the way. Walk in it. And I don't care if every church in America goes against the ground. This is right and this is wrong. This is black and this is white. That's the purpose of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Brother, now we need grace, and we do need grace. We need to preach grace. A lot of times when you preach like this, people say this. They'll come up to you and say, now, brother, now listen. Brother, now don't you get too legalistic. If you think that the greatest problem today in the church is that we're on the verge of too much legalism, you're just not paying attention. Everybody all right? No, I don't want to. I don't want to just proclaim the Lamb. I want to proclaim the Baptizer in fire. I want to proclaim the one that not only saves you from your sins. I want to proclaim the one that might wrinkle your Sunday morning clothes. I want to proclaim the one that might make you cry off your Sunday morning makeup. I want to proclaim the one that might mess up your Instagram a little bit. I want to proclaim the one. Pull it back. Pull it back. Sunday morning. The baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Now, brother, we need grace. And we do need grace. This is the most overlooked verse in the Bible about grace. It's found in Titus. Most people didn't even know that was a book. They're like, Titus? I need to find that. <laughs> Titus, one of Paul's spiritual sons. This is what Paul said. He said, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to everyone. Watch. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lust. So when people compromise in the name of grace, they are communicating they have not encountered grace at all. Because grace says no to ungodliness and worldly lusts. He's the lamb and he's the baptizer. He's the lamb and he's the... And because we don't have a fire 
significant enough to draw people, we have to lean on everything else to get people in the room. Y'all all all right this morning? Y'all are acting funny on me. I don't like it when y'all act funny. Come on, Brother Al, me and you, baby. Because we don't have fire. I told you last week, I'll tell you again, I saw a church online the other day. They have a room out in their foyer called the Spirit Room. In case the Holy Ghost starts disrupting what we're doing, we will politely escort him and whoever he's manifesting through to the Spirit Room. This room is the Spirit Room. If you're looking for a Spirit Room, you found it. Right? Because we don't have a fire significant enough to draw people, we have to lean on everything else. So we invest all of our money and all of our resources into dynamic worship. Dynamic worship. So much so you can't tell if it, you can't tell if it's a Christian artist or a world. You don't know. They all look the same. They all act the same. They sing the same. We invest all of our money in kids ministry, which is important. I have kids. I want a dynamic kids ministry. Okay. Some people. Some people. The the, the draw is you can come here and just live however you want, and you will never be challenged or confronted. Just come do whatever you want. As long as we can get you in the building so we can tell all of our pastor buddies that we're running 5,000 and got six campuses, that's all, that's all that matters. Just come. I'm not going to challenge you. I'm not going to say one thing's wrong and one thing's right. Just come. Just come. If I, Just come. Just come. Just come, just come, just come. Uh, this is the language that, that, I, that I was told when we were getting ready to plant this church. They said, now, brother, on Sunday morning, don't go too deep. Okay? They said, because every church, and I agree with this. I, I believe this to an extent. They said, because every church needs a shallow end, and they need a deep end. I get what you're saying. I do. I do. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But you ain't taking nobody to the deep end. You call a small group the deep end? I call people getting touched by the fire of God, the deep end. There was a brother last week that we prayed for him and laid hands on him. He fell out under the power of God, and he did not get up till we had finished packing up an hour later. That's what I call the deep end. We didn't know if the brother was going to be able to drive. I'm assuming he didn't kill anybody on the way home because I haven't heard word. That's what I call the deep end. You hearing what I'm saying? I don't, I, I, don't, I don't want us to be known. And it's going it's to really be hard to be known for our flash in this building. I don't want us to be known for our flash in our worship. I want us to be known for if you got a little daughter that's cutting herself, bring her to this altar. She can get set free. If your husband is struggling with depression, bring him to this altar. He can get set free. If your marriage is about to fall apart, come and watch God do a miracle in your life. What about the fire of God? What about the fire of God? I know it sounds legalistic. I know this is way too Pentecostal for a lot of you. And this is just where you showed up this morning. And we're so glad you're here. We are. We really are. We really, really are. <clears throat> we'll just call ourselves non-denominational. 
non-denominational, but we believe in the fire of God. Hmm? You know, the Bible says something interesting. It says over in Corinthians, Paul said this. He said, when I'm with the Romans, I can be like a Roman. When I'm with the Jews, I can be like the Jews. When I'm with the Gentiles, I can be like the Gentiles. He said, but if one thing causes my brother to stumble, I will cut it off out of my life forever. Okay. We live in a church culture where compromise has become so accepted and standing against compromise has become so condemned that we're just like the Corinthian church. Listen to what Paul said to the Corinthians. He said, you got somebody in that church sleeping with their own stepmama. That's in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 1. You got somebody sleeping with their stepmama. Listen to what Paul said. Listen to what he said. And you should have mourned, but instead you're puffed up. This is what he said. And he said, your glorying is not good. And I thought, what is he talking about? I wrestled with that text for years. And then it dawned on me. They were glorying in the fact that they had become so tolerant. And he said, your glorying is not good. You should be mourning in repentance and tears. And instead, you're celebrating the fact that you're so accepting. And this is what he said. This is, Paul, this is Paul's prescription for it. I already know what I would do if I was there. Some of y'all read this verse. Some of y'all had I already know what I'd do if I was there. I would deliver him to Satan. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you from experience. They do not cover that in the church growth conference. Don't be. De- that's, that's like what you do not do. Don't be delivering anybody. Don't deliver people to Satan, at least on Sunday morning. Don't do that. Do that in the middle of the week, doing a small, doing a small group. Have the Satan deliverance, whatever you want to do, but don't. Sit all right. And then Paul said this. He said, if meat makes my brother too offend, I will not touch it as long as the world stands. We have a church that celebrates our liberty, and we completely neglect our responsibility. Paul said, yeah, I could eat meat if I wanted to. It's not a problem. But if it makes somebody to stumble, I won't touch it. Because my responsibility is bigger than my personal liberty. You hearing what I'm saying? Now, when I'm preaching like this, don't, don't, don't go crazy and start being mean to people. Okay, I'm not saying that either. I believe you have to connect with people before you correct people. I believe part of the reason the church is in the shape it's in is because we're just flat mean. We can be just mean to people, and we can be mean to each other. We ain't inviting people to church. We don't want them to mess up what we got going on, okay? So that's not what I'm advocating. But your Bible says this. It says, do not remove the ancient landmarks that your fathers established. That's Solomon. He said, there are some things that were established by the generations that went before you that you don't need to touch. And a lot of times today, we look back in the old and older generations and we look at them with scorn and with mockery and with, and, and, and with, with a joking attitude because they were so out of touch. They did not have, their church was not as polished as ours was. Their clothes were for sure not as polished as ours was. They, they, were, they just had ish. They were just so messed up. They were 
so legalistic. They were so dogmatic. They were so hardcore. They you couldn't wear any women couldn't wear clothes above their toes. You couldn't wear jewelry. You couldn't do any of this. They are so backwoods and out of touch. Let me tell you this story. Lindsay's grandmother grew up in an old school Pentecostal church where you could barely take a bath. It was almost a sin. She grew up in an old school Pentecostal church, but she will also tell you when I was a child growing up, I never remember a time in my life where I got sick and I was not prayed for and immediately and instantly healed because, and we would do some good if we would learn to go back to some ancient landmarks that the mothers and the fathers set up that said, it might not be in vogue anymore and it might not get a lot of Instagram followers, but it's a landmark that they established. Holiness is still right. Holiness is still right. Praying and seeking God on your own is still right. Can I get a witness from somebody? It's still right. And so then now we encounter Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is so fed up because he's been carrying this standard of righteousness. And he's been laughed at and he's been mocked. He stood for it. Been laughed at and he's been mocked. What's your problem? What's your problem? And I've, I've wrestled with this personally. I've wrestled with this. You know, to get the church to grow, to get, you know, we've been here a couple of months and I want to see it explode. You know, maybe I need to dial it back on the on the yelling and, and the sweating and the screaming and maybe I could just get some series to tell you how amazing we all are and how wonderful we all are and how we are the greatest generation to ever grace the sides of God's planet maybe I could do that maybe we could get the worship all the way down people bothered by the noise take it all the way down take it all the way down let's just don't, don't expect anything from anybody but then when I go back and I get before God I know there's a fight burning on the inside that I believe Knoxville desperately needs. I've been in this city for a year and if I think this city needs anything, I don't think it needs economic reform. I don't think it needs social reform. I think it needs a mighty move of the Holy Ghost and fire. I think this city needs baptized in the Holy Ghost and in fire and the fire on the inside of us. It will not go out. And if it's just us, it's still not going to go out. Come on, somebody. If it's just us, it's still not going to go out. He said, I am done, Jeremiah. I am done with this. I'm done of being laughed at and mocked and ridiculed, and I'm not cool like everybody else. I gave, I gave that up. But y'all win the Instagram battle. You win, okay? I am way too tired to be involved in that. You win the cool battle. You got it. You're, you're number one. Okay? You are cooler than us. It is what it is. Awesome. Go get it. Okay? And I, you wrestle with that. Jeremiah, wrestling with that. I've been obeying God. I've been obeying God. I've said what he told me to say the way he told me to say it. And everybody's laughing. And everybody's mocking. So I quit. It's over. So Jeremiah shuts his mouth. But then something started moving. I tell people all the time, if I were to ever backslide and quit following Jesus, the worst thing that could happen to me was to get around some good preaching. Because I know what would happen. It start moving. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you ever been away from God for a little while and just randomly walk into service and out of nowhere, 
You me tell you why? Because the fire won't go out. And I want us to be a church that says, look, if we're not on the list, if we're not on the list of fastest growing churches in America, that's fine. If we don't become the biggest church in Knoxville in five years, that's fine. If people still don't know who we are or where we're at, that's fine. But we cannot bend on making sure there's a fire still burning on the altar in the house. And I just want one or two people. I don't need everybody. I just need one or two people that'll say, Pastor Casey, we're going with you. Let's make sure that the fire on the altar never goes out. Let's make sure that the pressure to change. Let's make sure the pressure to change. Let's make sure the pressure to change doesn't quench the fire. Because we could do that. We could plug in right now all the formulas and we would hate it. We could plug in all the formulas and look like everybody else. We could plug in all the formulas to the point that now the only reason people come to your church is because you're the closest to the house. Hmm? No, for no other reason, not because they're experiencing something in God that is transforming them and challenging them and calling them higher and pushing them deeper. You're just the most convenient. I preach in churches all over America, all over America. You know how many churches now have multiple services? All of them, except this one. All of them. Go preach a church, big church in Georgia, huge church. Four services. You know what it's like preaching four services when you yell all the time? <laughs> four services. Ain't none of them full. Ain't none of them full. You got, you got 25% full. Why don't we do that? Convenience. God forbid that we make serving God inconvenient. But then Jesus messes with me. Because Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you will lose it. But if you, want to, if you will lose your life, if you will crucify yourself daily, then you can find life. Then Jesus messes with me and he says things like this. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. They don't talk about that one in the church growth conference. <laughs> they should create a list of banned biblical texts, and that would be one of them. <laughs> Thank you. He was speaking figuratively. And in the scripture, whenever you study hermeneutics, whenever a figure of speech is used, it is not used to lessen the point. It's used to strengthen the point. If I look at you and I say, it's hot in here, and it is, that's one level of emphasis. If I look at you and I say, it is hotter than the fifth level of Hades in here. <clears throat> That's another level of emphasis. And when Jesus said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. Yeah, he was speaking figuratively. He was saying, that's how ruthless you have to deal with the compromise in your own life. You got to cut it off. You got to pull it out. You got to get rid of it. You got to push it away as far as you can. The fire won't go out. The fire won't go out. Do we want to change or do we want to make sure the fire keeps burning? 
Do we want to become, do we want to get so polished that we lose all of our features? Or do we just want to make sure there's a fire burning in the house? So when I know I need something from God, I know where I can go. Stand up.